This is Hashtag Authentic, a podcast for creatives, dreamers and entrepreneurs online. I'm your host, Sarah Tasker, a certified coach specializing in creative business and all things related to social media and the digital realm. This is episode number 110. Hello, hello. How are things? I have got a solo episode for you today. I'm going to be talking about a topic that comes up so much whenever I teach or talk about Instagram, which is this idea of niching and how it's been framed to so many of us and how I don't think it's serving a lot of us. So before I dig into that, I have a few other things I wanted to share. First up, if you were waiting for sell your shit, it has already sold out. I sold my shit. I'm quite proud of that. (laughs) It sold out to the waitlist, so we never got it onto general sale, but I will be running another one as soon as I'm able. So if you want to find out more or if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you can find the Sell Your Shit link in the notes of this podcast or on my website, meandorla.co.uk. It's a small group program for people who find selling awkward and difficult, but know that they need to do it online. And we're going to have so much fun getting over those obstacles and barriers and getting to a place where we can sell with genuine enthusiasm and joy. It's worked for me and I am just on a mission to get as many people to this headspace as possible because it just means that we can take up space and claim what's ours in the world without having to feel any shame. And on a related note, you might have seen my 10k challenge I was doing on Instagram a couple of weeks ago. We have been trying to buy a house in France. We've had so many wranglings with mortgage companies. It's just not been working. So in the end, we decided to buy it cash, which is terrifying and amazing. And we were about £10,000 short. We had a deadline where we had to show the vendor that we had enough money to proceed with the sale. So I had 10 days to make £10,000 and I shared on Instagram how that went down. It's now a story highlight as it's over, so you can check it out if you want to. But the upshot of it all is we did it and we have a French house. I am so excited. It's a wreck. Everything needs to be changed. But it's a beautiful wreck with gorgeous old bones. And it is in this gorgeous, wooded, sunny location surrounded by fields of sunflowers. And it just feels like the next chapter that I have been waiting for. So if you would like to follow that adventure, of course, I'll be sharing lots on Instagram. But I'm also going to be writing a newsletter about it over on Substack. I will pop the link to that in the show notes here as well. It's a free newsletter. I'm going to be sharing updates about what we're up to over there and kind of the renovations and also maybe things like wish lists and guides to how I'm trying to renovate and interiors and mood boards and recipes and all things French adventure. So if you want to live vicariously with me, and stroll through fields of sunflowers and then sip a citron presse, then come on over to Substack. I'll put the link in my show notes. And I share that here, even though it's possibly a little bit irrelevant, because this is what it's all about, right? Like we talk on this podcast a lot about the freedom that these creative online businesses of ours offer to us and the ways in which we're changed by that. And this for me is an unthinkable adventure. If you told me 10 years ago 
that I would even be able to afford to be on the mortgage of my house in Yorkshire. It would have blown my mind. I was struggling very much financially. I had appalling credit records. When Orla was a baby, debt collectors were at the door and I was having to hide with her because I was so frightened. So to be now buying a second home outright and for it to be in France and to have the confidence and the courage to do that without sleepless nights and without feeling like I've ruined everything is huge. Huge isn't a big enough word for how huge it is. And it's wonderful. And I'm so grateful and I'm so excited. And I hope that it inspires the possibility spark in you too, wherever you're at in your business and in your journey. And so whether your dream right now is to like just get the bills paid this month or to buy a super yacht, I'm rooting for you. I believe in you. If anything, this whole adventure with my business has shown me that we never know what's possible and believing we do only ever holds us back. So anything could be possible for you. I believe it and I'm on your side. Okay, final thing I wanted to tell you. My Insta retreat is on sale right now. We're starting in about a week. So if you want to join us, we have some spaces left. It's a six-week program with weekly lessons, taking you through absolutely everything you need to know to successfully make Instagram the heart of your business online. Whether that's a living portfolio or a place where your clients and customers can get to know you and get ready to buy, or just a space where you can tell the story of what you do. There are weekly teaching calls with me as well as weekly coaching calls with myself and Sally, who you might have met on this podcast previously. And we really work to unpack not only what are the technical things that are holding you back on Instagram, but what are the mental things in the way too: the fear, the comparison, the shame. We unpack it all. The feedback we get from this class again and again is just so beautiful and so exciting. There's never a week that goes by where someone doesn't email me and say, I just got my book deal and I say it's all thanks to the Insta Retreat or I've just been able to quit my day job and it's all thanks to the Insta Retreat. And while it's not all thanks to the Insta Retreat, it's clearly always all thanks to their own hard work and talent. It is so nice to get to be a part of so many people's exciting adventures and I'd love you to be one of those people too. So head on over to my website, meandorla.co.uk or you can click the link in the show notes for this episode and find out more. Okay, enough introduction. Let's talk about Instagram itself. So this topic I've talked about before. I think it was in my newsletter and I maybe then turned that into a bit of a blog post. So if you've seen that, you might be familiar with my stance on this whole topic of niching and Instagram. I think this is something everyone I talk to has got kind of a previous rule book that they've absorbed about. So maybe you've read posts before or heard people's podcasts or seen posts on social media that tell you, you have to niche, 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 niche. You have to pick your niche and then squeeze your niche and then niche it down again and put yourself into this kind of tiny, tightly constricting box. And they tell you it's the fastest way to grow. They tell you that it's what people want to see. They tell you it's the most followable way to make content. And maybe it comes along with this advice to find three topics within your niche that you post about or five topics and just keep hammering at those same five topics over and over and over. And it sounds when you first come across it, I think quite easy. It's almost a little bit seductive depending on where you are in your headspace because it takes away so many of the question marks and it takes away so much of the struggle and gives you a really clear, very minimal blueprint to follow. But 
what you find if you try and follow this is there are a few problems that kind of get in the way with the magical quick fix solution. So the first one is that people buy from people. So if you're a coach, your future clients, they want to know what you look like. They want to know what your values are. They want to know how you're going to make them feel when they're crying on the other end of a call with you. And they need to trust you. Maybe you're a wedding photographer and your potential clients want to know if they're just going to get along with you. Like, will you make them laugh? Will you be someone who it's easy to be around on their day as well as the kind of photos you take? And if you're a maker, then your future customers want to know why you chose the colors you chose for that piece or where the pebbles that you use in your ceramics are collected from and why and how long it takes you to make each one of those pieces by hand. Most of all, people just want to know us. They want to know you. They want the big, messy, imperfect human picture. They want to share in our excitement and share in the things that frighten us and share in our joy. And Instagram is a place that we can give them that. There are so many places already where we can buy faceless corporate products and services from so many of those huge multinational corporations, the big, massive high street chains. And they're already doing that on Instagram, right? They're already just showing products, 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 keeping very professional, keeping within the niche. But what makes you special as a business owner is that you're kind of a one-off. You're one of a kind. And if we narrow the focus too much, then we kind of don't make room for the rest of us to exist And people lose the magic of that connection. The second problem is pigeonholes. So if you grow an audience that only knows you for one thing and they only ever engage with that one thing, then you will shape an audience that only ever wants that one thing from you for the rest of your time on Instagram. It seems like such a great solution when we're at the beginning and we're really hungry for growth and we're tired of the struggle If you can just pick one thing and keep doing it over and over, it seems like a sacrifice worth making. But when you get three years, five years down the line and you are bored of the thing, maybe it was your cute puppy or maybe it was the way you made your breakfast bowls or maybe it was your obsession with a certain type of marketing. Whatever it is, you are going to evolve. You're going to move past it and your audience will not. They will continue to want that thing from you or something very, very close to that thing in topic. And it's honestly so devastating when you realise that your audience isn't going to come with you because they just don't care. And what's heartbreaking is something will happen. You'll have a child or you develop a new passion or you acquire a new skill or maybe you get a diagnosis and your life changes And this audience that meant so much to you just don't care. They don't come with you because their connection was never with you. It was with the niche. It was with the very narrow topic that you chose. And you've not let them know you, the whole person. So of course they're not ready to come with you. I speak to so many creatives who get to this place and have a really difficult choice, which is to kind of carry on making the audience happy by doing the work that they don't want to do anymore or to let them go and start all over again. And spoiler alert, I always recommend the second one in the long run. Obviously, there can be financial implications. There can be reasons why we might have to choose option one for a while. But in the end, you can't rein in your creativity. 
And once your enthusiasm has gone for something, it's really an uphill struggle to stay in the game at all. Number three, it really only works for the right topics. So niching might help you grow your account, but it is definitely a maybe. So if you're fortunate enough that your niche is something super popular or super photogenic, then you do stand a good chance. I'm thinking like maybe you make rainbow tutus for children or you're an amazing nail technician who does like a signature look or you post uh, TikTok tips or working from home advice and suddenly there's a pandemic. As long as your work has viral appeal, then niching into it will, honestly, it will give you like a big boost in immediate growth. Of course, the problem with that is, A, viral appeal is very transient. Trends change, people change, people move on. And B, what about everyone else whose work doesn't have that magical golden viral appeal on the surface? What if what you make or what you do is more quiet and contemplative and doesn't immediately scream out at people from the page. Proponents of this niching marketing technique often will tell you that then you just need to switch up your business offering or you need to change your business model to accommodate this, to become more viral. But I always think that's just a kind of fancy way of telling you to people please and just pander to the largest majority, even if they're not your people, they're not your customers and you're not going to be doing what you want to do. Instagram trends are never a good reason to pivot your business offering. Trends in general are not what we can base solid foundations on. And as we know, likes, followers, even saves on Instagram don't necessarily convert to customers unless they're invested in you as a whole human and genuinely want what you offer. The fourth reason is it's just so dry. You might think that that won't matter when you first start out, when the niching appeal is all golden and you think it's the answer to your Instagram problems. But just like anything else in life, in order to be sustainable, creating and sharing on Instagram needs to feel good. It needs to create a positive emotional experience inside our bodies. And I suspect if you're in overwhelm about Instagram, maybe you're avoiding Instagram. The real reason that you're doing that is because Instagram's making you feel awful and your brain's just trying to help you hide. Instagram is a creative platform. It was designed to be that and it's only got more and more creative. So using it should bring you that creative rush of freedom and joy and fun. And if those emotions are not at the top of the list of your daily social media experiences, then the answer is not to constrain yourself even more. The answer is not to limit your creative freedoms even more and put yourself in tighter and tighter constricted boxes. The answer is to play and have fun and try and create an experience with your community online that feels like it fills you up instead of drains you out so that you want to go on, you want to share, you want to engage and people go away with that same energy too. So you might be listening to this and wondering what is the alternative and the answer is it's easy And it's also difficult and it is to build your internet presence with space for everything that you might ever want to share about your life. So often when people join me on the Insta retreat, they have multiple, multiple accounts. Some of you listening, like 
you are these people, you'll have like 10 different accounts because you're a florist and you'll have one for your wedding floristry, but you'll also have an account for your flower garden where you actually grow the flowers. And then you'll have another one for your flower workshops that you used to run. You're not running them anymore. And then you'll have another one for your more wild floristry because it's so different to the wedding floristry. So you don't think they're the same audience. And then (laughs) you might have another one for your day-to-day life that you just share with friends and family. Does this sound familiar? Or maybe you're an artist and you do some things in ink and some things in watercolour. So you have an account for the ink illustrations and a different account for the watercolour because they're different, right? And oh my goodness, you've just started to do stuff in clay and you're really enjoying that. So time for another account. I think the record in the Insta Retreat was someone with 13 accounts when she first joined. We got her down to two. She couldn't quite get to one, but I hope maybe in time. And I imagine there's people out there listening who maybe can even beat that record. And of course, 13 accounts, even two accounts is enough to make you feel overwhelmed and undermotivated. And very soon you'll start to feel burned out because it's 13 times as much work and it's 13 times less reward for the effort because it's shared out in tiny, tiny bits between all of those accounts. So what I recommend to people in the industry, and it often feels quite radical when I first say it, it's not always the most popular announcement, but I tell people to drop all of those extra accounts and just go back to one. Just have one place where all of you, all of your work, all of the differences, all of your interests get to reside in one place. And it's your humanity. It's your inspirations. It's the story of you, the creator. And what that does is it lets your audience be there for all of you. They're there for the good and the bad and the ugly and the real life and the dream life. The common denominator becomes you and you tie it all together with your beautiful, human, flawed, amazing, wonderful, creative self. And what happens is you get the most incredible rewards because you then start to connect as a real human with the people that follow you. You don't have to be glossy, you don't have to be perfect, you don't have to be a catalogue and you don't have to impress anybody. You can still be those things if you want to, for sure. I'm not telling you you have to be a hot mess. But the pressure to maintain a facade just gets stripped away and you get to choose exactly how you want to show up. Now, normally around this point, most people's brains are going, well, I'm the exception. My business or my account, my work is different. I get it for everyone else, but I'm different. (laughs) And I think it's because it's so hard for us to see the common thread that ties all of the parts of our businesses or our lives together when we're like knee deep in it. We're just so close and we understand the detail so much that it's hard for us to see the big picture. So like to the florist... The wedding floristry, which is very orderly, and then the wild, tangled floristry, yeah, they're completely different. How could you possibly put them together? They're completely different. But for everyone else who's not a florist, you can probably imagine how actually an untrained observer doesn't even necessarily see that they're different and only could see that they were different, perhaps if they were juxtaposed by putting them together on one account and then side by side you start to see, oh, I prefer this way or that way. So those distinctions are real. I'm not saying that they don't exist, but I'm saying that they don't matter to anyone except you. Are the differences important to your potential audience and your potential customers? Do they see that distinction? And are they put off by it? 
Because if the answer is no, then it makes sense that everything could just benefit from being on one account. I say in the Insta retreat, like there are obviously exceptions to this. And the only exception my brain can come up with is if, let's say you were a florist, but you also then developed an interest in fixing engines of supercars and like sharing really detailed reels about how to adjust the turbo. I don't know about cars. So (laughs) those two things maybe might struggle to sit in within one account. But even then, I would argue there are probably people who would love that. Flowers and engines. Like, where else can they go for that in one place online? You would have such an edge. You'd be such a unique and memorable account. It's really hard to think of two things that can't go together if you try. I guess maybe like body positivity and diet tips. You know, you have to go to those kind of ridiculous extremes to find something that just couldn't work. So the downside to this way of working, I think, is that our brains are liable to kind of spiral into a bit of a panic. We like the idea of niching in part because it gives us such clean and clear parameters. So we know what we're going to post, we know what we're not going to post, and we don't have to think about it. And that can still be true for this approach once you've figured out where your own boundaries lie. I talk about imagining your Instagram account a little bit like a favorite magazine or online magazine website. So if we use Marie Claire for an example, imagine a copy of Marie Claire magazine. It uses photos, it has writing and journalism, and they're all from different contributors. It's not one person taking all of the pictures for an issue of Marie Claire. It's not one person writing every article for an issue of Marie Claire. And they cover quite a wide range of themes. There's quite a lot of surprises in the pages. But it always feels like Marie Claire. It's never going to have something in it that makes you go, what the hell am I even reading? Is this a copy of FHM? Or does that even exist anymore? You can tell I haven't bought magazines for a long time. You're never going to find something outrageous or unwanted inside because everything feels cohesive. It's all on brand. It's still varied and it's still interesting, but it's not going to turn you off by featuring things that you just don't care about. And your Instagram page is like the magazine of you. So sticking with our florist example, Your page might feature spectacular finished flower arrangements. It might show work in progress shots. It might have snaps or lives or reels from the flower market where we get to see what you're choosing and what's in season and you tell us why you bought this type and not that type. We might get to see the gorgeous mess that's left on your workshop floor that doesn't look gorgeous to you because you've seen it a million times. But to us, as people who are just interested in floristry, it's all delicious and fascinating and then you might also feature your dogs and your home things that you find on your walks in nature maybe your new favorite dress or something you've baked or what you're reading and all of that will fit really well and be on brand and kind of be an enriching experience for your audience to get to know you because it's all part of the magazine but if you also say loved some recreational drug abuse on a Saturday night that probably wouldn't be in the magazine. If you loved Formula One racing, maybe that's not going to go in the magazine. Maybe that's a different magazine. Maybe your Thunderbird action figures that you secretly collect (laughs) don't go in the magazine. You are the editor. You have to think about your reader and the things that are interesting to her. And you can cover any topic in your whole life 
because the common denominator is you. The theme of the magazine is not floristry. It's not art. It's not jewellery. It's you, the florist, the artist, the jewellery maker, but also the human, also the mum or the person with a chronic illness or the person who used to have a day job or the person who's buying a French house or the person who loves interiors, even though it's completely unrelated to, the, to their work. Just be you. I know it sounds so easy, but of course, so many of us have this lifetime of conditioning that tells us it's not safe to be ourselves. It's not safe to show up as our whole selves anywhere, let alone online, where people can look at us and judge us and then leave comments. We get so frightened that we're going to be criticised or rejected or worse. And because of that, we do tend to avoid wanting to do this. And my biggest piece of advice to you is to dip your toe in and test it slowly if you feel that way. Instagram is, by and large, a really safe place to do this. You can show a little bit more of yourself a little bit at a time and people will hold you and meet it so warmly and so thoughtfully in my experience. And in fact, sometimes the very best thing you can do if you feel afraid about something related to Instagram is to make a post about that fear. Make a post telling people, I'm afraid to share something on Instagram. I'm afraid to show you that my house is actually messy. I'm afraid to show you the behind the scenes of how I do my work. Because I'm scared someone will copy me. Because I'm scared you won't value it if you see how I make it. Because I'm scared I'm not doing it right and someone's going to call me out and say I'm an imposter. Whatever that big dark secret is that you're trying so hard to hide, just putting it out into the light of day and having everyone go, oh yeah, me too. Yeah, oh yeah, I used to feel that way, but I got over it now. Oh yeah, no, I have something really similar. It's so freeing. It's so freeing because you're like, well, now there's nothing to be found out for. Now I'm not an imposter because I'm not pretending to be anything I'm not. And someone can come at you and say, hey, your life's kind of messy. Or hey, you're not doing that thing properly. Or I could copy you doing that. And you can just go, yeah, yeah, I said so. Did you not see my post? I already said that. And there's just no fuel in the fear anymore. So every time I find myself thinking, oh my God, I'm going to have to like, make sure Instagram doesn't know about that. I think, okay, I better make a post about it then. I better make a post if that's my instinct to hide all the more reason to show up and share. Which I had about the 10K. I definitely had every time I want to talk about money online, a part of my brain tells me it's not appropriate. It's not fair. It's going to make people dislike me. And maybe it does. That is definitely a possibility. But I have learned that shame thrives in the shadows. And so always, whenever I have that response, oh no, I have to hide this, what will people think? I think, okay, I'm going to put it all out there. And it's yet to disappoint me. Or I should say you guys have yet to disappoint me. People meet you with love and with understanding 99% of the time. And if you're struggling to find that for yourself, Instagram is a beautiful place to harvest a little bit of it to get you started. I would love to hear how this sits with you. Does it resonate? Do you still think you're the exception? If you think you are, you should message me and I'll tell you if you are or not. Or can you think of two completely unrelated topics that just could never go together on an account? Because I do need a better example. So if you've got one, please let me know. Please tweet it at me or send it me on Instagram. 
And if you want some help making this transition, if you want help building an Instagram account that has that longevity, that has all of those different parts of you buoying each other up, that attracts an audience that genuinely loves whatever you do, then you might want to look at my Insta Retreat class, which, as I mentioned at the beginning, is enrolling right now. We start next week. And I would love to have you in there. It's in the show notes and you can go to meandola.co.uk and click on the Insta Retreat. It was lovely to talk to you and I hope to see you online very soon and back here for another episode too. Take care.